Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women, a podcast that provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women. Women supporting entrepreneurship, relationships, self-love, and so much more. We inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Uncommon Women. Now, finally, grab a seat, get comfortable, and hear from your wonderful hosts, Shanira and Jenny Lee. Hi, queens and kings. Thank you so much for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I'm Jenny Lee. Hi, everyone. Sorry, uh, Shanira. Froze there for a second. Um, we're having some technical difficulties right now. Well, we're having a guest speaker, Tawana Lawler. Um, she's going to speak on her story on surviving AIDS. Um, I'm going to read her bio. Tawana Lawler is an AIDS survivor and motivational speaker. Her life has gone from tragedy to destiny. She has experienced many trials and tribulations, but hasn't stopped her from giving her message of triumph over adversity. Tawana is also a creative screenwriter who, ha who has written several movies, God's Precious Jewels, Who Did I Marry, and When a Woman's Fed Up, which are on Amazon Prime. Tawana is a playwright, poet, and an author. Her life's passion is to eagerly use her gifts to heal and by sharing her story. Thank you so much, Tawana, for coming out today and being one of our guest speakers to share your story. Uh, before we actually go into your story, I did want to let our viewers know that we are celebrating our 60th uh, episode. So we do have a raffle that's going to be going on. Um, for those that are listening, for our, since we can't do the 60th person, we're going to do the sixth person. So if anyone that would like to contribute, we are giving away um, a free gift bag uh, for the sixth person that tells us your favorite episode and why from season one, two, or three. So um, we'll be giving a raffle away from that. We also wanted to let you know if you guys have any questions or concerns for Tawana. Uh, in regards to her story, go ahead and comment uh, in the box below, and then we'll be able to get into those questions after she shares her story. Uh, so thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to hear your story today. 
Uh, is there anything that you wanted to add before we go into your uh, surviving story? No. Okay. And before we go into that, can you tell us a little bit about your life? How was it growing up? The child, everything was fine. Because, uh, my mom, my dad were together. I have uh, three brothers. I'm the oldest out of four. Uh, same than father. And our father spoiled us. Us and you know, he kept us on the right track. He was third, and uh, you know, he would pray and he goes out to the skating ring every Saturday, uh, take us out of town on road trip and uh, us to see the globe trotters, trotters, and <laughs> wrestling. And I'm the only girl, so I would go, I wanted to go because it was my dad, and I would like to hang out with my dad. Sadly, he was chef, head chef at Holiday Inn. And uh, he got laid off and he got depressed. And his business went out of a small restaurant that went out of uh, business. And you know, he got depressed. And my mother left him with her. And she moved in a new guy. I'm not staying, I'm gonna be honest. Because he wasn't my daddy. He wasn't my daddy. And it just threw me because I didn't know the man. He was a stranger to me. I wanted to go back home to my dad and my brothers, they, you know, they wanted to go back, we went back and talked to our dad and he was crying. He was on his knees talking about how much he loved us and he was excited about us coming back. He didn't wait. So told him, when I was 12 years old, I told him we had to wait and talk to her and let her know that we wanted to come back home. And he, she worked second shift, so it was hard. We were at school and she'd be at work and back then she get off, we'd be, it's on the weekend, but he couldn't wait. He ended up killing himself, and I was devastated. Yeah, so after that happened, my life's over downhill. Yeah, part of my childhood. So it, my childhood went so quick. Did after that, I really didn't have a childhood. After twelve, then I, uh, you know, became defined. I just want to live with my mother. I, you know, missing my dad. We wasn't able to mourn properly. Uh, we couldn't bring him up or anything. So, you know, and it was hurting me, it really was hurting me. So I pregnant on purpose. But I knew my mother would let me leave. They won't live in that house. And I didn't like, I truly didn't trust that man. He was listening up at my door at night. And I was 12, but I was built like a 10 year old. And you were not about to touch me. <laughs> I wanted out of that. Yeah, so I got pregnant. I was 14 and I had my oldest daughter when I was 15. And then met her dad. Well, he, that's why I got pregnant by her father. And then we got married when I was 16. He was like 18 or 19. Uh, we ended up having another child, and he started abusing me. He, he didn't want me to go to school. He started locking me in the house. And uh, the only thing about it, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. He would uh, literally take the phones, because this was like in the 70s, like uh, 75 or something, around 76. He would take the phones the wall and wrap the cord around them. I work with him so I couldn't call anybody. He would do that every single day. You no, know, I would be home like, well, what's wrong? And I would be locked in the house like he would set glass where uh, he could tell if I looked out. He didn't want me to look out the window. I was like a prisoner in my own home with two babies. And so one day he uh, put me down a 
was standing upstairs. We were in the townhouse. I was standing upstairs. It was in my face, just arguing with me for no reason. Something about food or something. It was something stupid. He pushed me, and I fell down these steps, right upstairs, and I thought he was going to come pick me up. And my two daughters were sitting on the couch, and they were toddlers, and they were crying for me. They kept crying and saying, Mama, Mama. He ran down the stairs and started picking me with steel toe boots on. And that was the last time he ever hit me. When he went to work the next day, I called my mom and I said, I'm ready to go. She was so happy. She got a U-Haul truck. She came and got me. Came and got me and I moved out. But I didn't go back to my mom's house because I was not going back. I went to one of my friend's house. I met at the skating ring when my dad was taking me all the time. I met this guy. But that guy was no good. He, he claimed that like, he, like they always do. He's a good man. He just was no good. And he out of there and you know really rescued me from danger and I, I could, could have killed me he dropped out of high school and everything he just pretty much wanted to run my life and he he just wanted to control me and wanted to be, be just in his house cooking and doing nothing and go outside can't go outside and sit in the park he take kids to the park he do nothing unless he was with me then he would take me over his mother's house Babysit me. That's how I was living. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. wow. Um, what was the transition in regards to after you had your two daughters to, you know, finding out or, you know, how it all came about in regards to you having HIV? Well, that happened many years later. Okay. Went through a whole lot. Went through a whole lot of other stuff. Okay. Did you want to share that in regards to before you got to that yes. part? Okay, yes, go ahead. I Take your time. A whole lot of stuff. <laughs> so I got the second guy. Okay. Walked in the room one day. His mother let me move up in her apartment until I got a place. So I stayed in her apartment because she moved in with her boyfriend. And I walked in one of the rooms one day looking for this guy. He was in the room with a needle in his arm. Man, I'm naive. I didn't know people with needles in their own drugs. So I, I wasn't I raised around that. So he said, get out, get out, and called me the B word. He said, get out, get out, and I left out, and I understand why. So upset, he came out of the room, he started me, and I was pregnant. I was pregnant with his child. He started beating me, he was mad, and that's when I found out it was him and one of his cousins, and that's when I found out he was doing drugs. And then I ended up finding a place. He ended up moving in, let him move in with me. He was fighting me every day. Every single day when he sit there and said, I'm not going to do you like your husband did you. It wasn't the boss for my ex-husband then at that time. He was like, I'm not going to do you like it worked. He was still, I would go to work and come back and I was going to work and going to school. He was doing nothing. I come back one day and my model color TV was gone. And I was like, what? Oh, wow. Wow. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Said, found out, and I called the police, and the police came and asked him because the police had a feeling he had something to do with it. He didn't sold it to the drug dealer, so he takes the police said, "Take me where the TV." They got my TV back. The drug came and bum rushed in my house, ran past me with a rifle in his hand, and ran upstairs in the mouth and knocked one of his teeth out. Was going to kill him because he called the police. I mean, I had the police. I called the police, and he showed the police where they live. I didn't know where he lived. I wanted my TV back up. I care less. I do whatever he wanted to him because 
had no business taking my television out of there. He didn't pay for that. And then they didn't stop. I bought a car and uh, was standing outside. He asked me, could he use it to go to the store? Oh, he's supposed to went to the store. He comes walking up the street. And I'm like, where is, where is he walking up the street? Where's the car? He tells me that the car was impounded. So I said, well, I'm going to call because you were getting my car out of the impound. But this guy, a great guy called me. A great guy. He was messing with it. I didn't even know. I mean, they was messing around. I didn't even know it. And he said he sold my car for some Delilahs. I was like, what is Delilahs? And he said it was drugs. Sold my car for some drugs. Yes. After that, just didn't want to be with him. Like, I didn't want him touching me. But he still lived with me. Uh, he lived with me because my ex-husband. I was letting my daughters go stay with him. So then, remember I said I was pregnant by this second guy. So right. it had my... That's when I had the third daughter. So I had my third daughter and I asked my in-laws, could they keep the whoops? I was still married. And I asked them, could they keep uh, my two daughters for a couple of days while I healed from having the baby? They said, yeah, they was happy to get them. On the second day, I'm missing them. So I'm ready for them to come home. So I walked all the way a block of snow. It was a lot of snow in January. A phone booth on the corner. I see when they was bringing them home. She said, B-I-T-C-H, she didn't spell it. She said the word and said, you're never going to see your kids again. I failed to call her one back. That's when I used to cuss like a seller. So mm -hmm. I called her one back and uh, I was ready to fight her. Because I, I had I fought her. See, I was totally different. I'm different now. I was a fighter and everything because I had to fight my way. Certain things like dealing with them guys, I had to fight back and school I had to fight girls jealous thinking I want their boyfriends and I'm not even looking at their boyfriends and I always had to fight all the time so I fought the girl I fought her she said I stole her brush so I said I'm gonna come over and over there and I didn't have a car at that time so I said I'm gonna find a way over there and kick your behind so now you ain't gonna do nothing and she was talking all this mess said, I'm gonna call the police she said call the police police ain't gonna do nothing so I called the police police said I'm married ain't nothing we can do Mm. So, CPS got involved. CPS said I was on drugs. I ain't never did a drug in my life. Said I was on drugs. They just lied and said I was doing this and prostituting. I ain't never done any of that. Now I, I was just so hurt that they did me like, and they wouldn't didn't get to see my kids. But I fought, fought, and I got permanent custody. But my kids, people end up being crackheads. Real, they, mm. they're not even alive now. All the ones that were sitting across me in the courthouse. If I would have left my kids with them, they would have been messed up. Would have been messed up. But each one of my are dead. Each one of them died like to each other. One, uh, the girls were drug, real bad drug addicts. They became real bad mm -hmm. drug addicts. But I ended up getting my daughters back, and then I was like, "Hey," then other stuff started happening. And I'm telling you, when I got the disease, I was like, "Lord, how much more can I take?" Because it was like felt like a punching bag, a punching bag that. In the day, hit a tray in it, punch it, mm -hmm. it comes back up. That's how it comes back up. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I was getting punched, but I get back up and I get back up and I start living my life. And then something that boom, here comes something else that happened to me. Like, that guy playing in my house asleep. And I wake up, somebody hits me, pinned down, raping me. I didn't even know the guy. Mm -hmm. I was terrified and I felt so disgusted. Uh, 
just didn't say anything. And people ask me all the time. And I hate when people ask me 50 million questions about those. I don't want to talk about it. But that's something I don't want to bring up unless I bring it up. Mm-hmm. Some people say, well, what you do? Why you didn't call the police? Have you been in that situation before? You know, I lived at, was in the project. I wasn't in front of projects. I wasn't raising the projects. I didn't even know what projects was until I had to move in one. And that's mm. the reason I moved in one, I didn't want to go back home to my mom. I didn't trust her boyfriend. And I had these daughters now, so he wasn't going to be around my daughters. He was a pervert. He was a pervert for real. So uh, uh, I didn't call the police because you know, the project people, they family. They would have all ganged me. And so I, I just could have seen and held it in for years. Years. Wow. But, Became an alcoholic, started drinking. I was 21 years old. I never had a beer, or cigarette, and my friends they were drinking and stuff. They peer pressure, and I started drinking. It was the most disgusting thing ever. I started drinking, and I didn't start drinking heavy then, but I was drinking and going out and stuff. I wasn't doing it first, just going out and partying, trying to erase that out of my mind, erase that out of my mind, and then. Uh, years later, uh, I was dating this guy, and I told him I had to use the bathroom. He told me go use the bathroom. When I came back, I was drinking a beer. Uh, getting sleep. It was him and his friend, and friend kept trying to talk to me, kept trying to hit on me, and I was like, no, I'm telling him I'm not like. So I'm I'm drinking the beer, and all of a sudden I start busy and sleepy. Wow, I told him I started getting sleep. Drug me. I went to the bathroom. When, when he said, take your clothes off, I'll be back there and take your clothes off. I didn't take my clothes off because I was so tired. So I just laid on the bed. I wakes up. Uh, he's behind me having sex. And the guy is trying to put his penis in my mouth. I, I remember smacking it away. I tell, I'm not talk about this. I didn't talk about this one for a long time. I didn't tell my daughters that one, but I told them about the first one. And I waited till they got reported. Mm-hmm. I told them about the dead kid, family kidnapping them, but I waited till they was older where they understood. I told them about the stuff I went through. They know everything I went through. So uh, uh kept it to myself because I didn't really remember. I knew some I kept having these flashbacks, so flashbacks are real. So I kept having these flashbacks and understand the flashback what I just told you all, that's what I kept having. I didn't remember how I started, how they got my clothes off, how I got home. I didn't how I got there. I don't remember none of that and still don't remember. I'm not going to ask God to show me. Because it could mm-hmm. be something that could really, really, really hurt me. So I said, I'm done. I've been to therapy. I'm done with that. And then the guy that had a stroke, he walking on the cane. The karma is, you know what? So <laughs> <laughs> you don't mess with God's. Yeah, yeah. That's you right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, I wasn't even born again Christian, but God was still with me. Yes. Many times I could have been dead. Many times. And, you know, rapes and everything, but nobody hurt me like that. So, just been through so much. I have. I had a son. The son, boy, the, he died. He died. In, I didn't want to mold babies anyway, but I didn't want my baby to die. Yeah. He died in my womb. You know, while I was coming my daughter's house. I felt a real joke. The whole of my body just it was weird. And I, my stomach, I said, and I told my daughter, I said, something's wrong. And I called the doctor. He said, go to the hospital. The ultrasound, they said, the baby's dead inside of it. It was a little boy. I would have had a boy. It would have been my only boy. I didn't want no more kids. So you know, I 
named him Taiwan. I love him. I pray mm -hmm. for him. I know he's in heaven and he's fine. But mm -hmm. he was already, I had too many kids. I was like 21 with three kids. So, mm -hmm. and divorce, man, I'm going through a divorce and all that, going through all this stuff. I didn't want no any more kids. Remember, I said I got four. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I had that young one. Young was she'll be thirty one till you'll be thirty-four. She's years uh younger than my okay. oldest daughter. So I had her years later when they told me I probably couldn't have no kids because I had a tuba pregnancy for the baby who died. And they say you ain't can't handle and both them pregnancies I didn't want. So I'm just being not caring. And I only came from like what I seen and I didn't realize this until I got older. My father was cheating on my mom. I knew it. She was cheating with the babysitter. I knew mm. it. She got pregnant and she stopped coming. And uh, one of my cousins, she was a girl, she molested me when I was 11 years old. I knew wow. all this stuff. And I knew all this. Um, I was like, I'm 11. I was like 10. And I knew all this stuff inside of me that I was holding. Something to do with why I was choosing. Allowing these guys like that, abusive and drug addicts to come in my, to my life. Because what I had been through, my mother left my husband for another man. All this stuff I've been through, not normal. Truly wasn't. And I tried, told my daughter the other day, I said, I always lived my daddy on high because I was his girl. I was mm -hmm. only part of his girl. Yeah, yeah, I was mm -hmm. daddy's girl. He's called me baby girl. He gave me whatever I wanted, so I always lift him up on high. And I'm, I got to share this story real quick because I share it to everybody all the time. <laughs> he, he asked me one Christmas. I was 10. I was like, might have been like 11. He said, what do you want for Christmas? I said, movie projector, because I want to make home movies. Mm. Sewing machine, because I want to make clothes. So he got it for me. He would give me whatever I wanted. Aww. He was amazed at how my mind would work all the time, because young know, age, that's the type of things I wanted. I ain't say bikes and all that. I ain't riding mm -hmm. bikes. I didn't want that. I wanted something I can learn. So mm -hmm. he brings me, you know, the movie projector. Not one in a movie when you hold, it was like 75, 70, 76, 1975, 76. I wanted the one that you hold. I wanted to make movies of my brothers. I wanted to mm. write it and do all of that. He bought me one with the, he bought the screen now, the screen mm -hmm. was a big old screen, but he bought me <laughs> one with the real, the tape. <laughs> I was so disappointed. And I said, I said, I was so mad. He said, the girl, what's wrong with you? I said, I did not want that. I said, that's not what I asked for. He said, I said, I don't even know how to work it. He said, well, you better teach yourself. <laughs> I have to tell people, I always think about that, for real. I always, it's one thing is, I taught myself how to write movies. Mm. I taught myself how to format movies. I taught myself how to format plays. I did my own magazines. I taught myself how to do that. Awesome. And then to set a bowl. I've also, what he said, because of what he said, so he did something good. He did, he planted a seed. He planted that seed. Yeah, yeah, he planted that seed. Yeah, he didn't even know it. Just the way he was living. And you never forget that stone. story. You're never going to uh, forget that story either. No, no. I, uh, 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 a magazine just interviewed me. That's when I brought that story up because I had never, I talked about mm. it with my daughters and I talked with some friends and told them the story because there's a lot of stories for like he, the stuff that he would do. I, I tell him I love Al Green. I love Al Green. And one day I'm going to marry him. I was like 10 years old talking about I love Al Green. <laughs> I thought Al Green was the ha most handsome man 
back in the day. I thought he was so, he was so sexy and them songs. And so one day he the Holiday Inn, he was a head chef. And one day came home, he would always bring me my brother's gifts every day from home. It was like the beavers. I'm telling you, he was like a perfect dad. He just wasn't a good husband, but he was a perfect dad. And he would bring us gifts and he would bring me these expensive purses. But this one day came home, he said, baby girl, I got something for you. He had his hand behind his back. And I said, what is it? You all, it was a picture, a green photograph. Wow. I mean, yes, wow. I cried and I loved that picture and I hugged that picture. It was in a frame and everything. And I just love my dad for that. And I will never forget that. Never. No matter mm -hmm. what he did, he was a good father. He was That's to his awesome. kids. Yeah, he was. Mm -hmm. And he, he did plant a seed. And I know he was alive, I wouldn't have went that route. And I tell people that I wouldn't have had kids young. I wouldn't have did that. But I don't regret having my daughters. Mm -hmm. they, okay, it's going to make me want to. Right. That third one, boy, it's a lot of tests I wanted to choke <laughs> Yeah. He was cussing me out and everything. I'm telling you. I was like, oh my God, what do I do with this one? What happened? Because <laughs> I don't know. She had all them kids, and she had them kids young. When I said, "Don't know, oh, this is what you're gonna go through," I'm telling her from my experience, like this is what you're gonna go through. And she had them kids young. And nobody, I have raised my kids. I didn't ask nobody to take my kids, and I didn't abuse my kids. I raised them, but uh, she raised her for ten years. That ten years vacation when I got sick, that's when the <laughs> kids went back. Yeah, when they went back, cause I couldn't take care of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm get the one shot. Ask me, we're gonna get to that story when I had the dementia. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Miss Swana. <laughs> I think that's it for uh, about my dad and my childhood. Okay. And then, you know, I uh, had uh, three kids until I was 21, and I got to finally get that divorce from that monster. I was mm -hmm. so happy. I carried that name for a long time, and then. Uh, end up married again Ugh. well it was like in the 80s 90s i think it was like in it might been in the 80s late 80s oh my god he wasn't nothing but a cheater he didn't fight me though he didn't fight me i fought him because mm. he was a cheater mm -hmm. and i didn't fight him i just one day he uh would do crazy stuff like uh uh said my daughter stole his wedding ring i asked him where was the wedding ring he said i think your daughter stole my now on my daughter and the fan of my daughter didn't even steal it. Wow. That was a no, you know, that's a no-no. Don't you do that. Bring some kids into something. And that's when he was like, one foot at the door. The fan that I went out to the car and was looking for something. He found a pond in the car where he didn't pawn the ring. Because oh, fan that he was wow. doing drugs. I He was doing drugs, too. I didn't even know it. Wow. And I thought he was like a uh, perfect man at first. He was a little younger than me. I should have known better. And I loved his mother, but his mother was a drunk. Now, see, I was a drunk too then. I would go down mm -hmm. there, do drunks, getting drunk together and cussing, smoking cigarettes. That's how we live. That was, mm -hmm. uh, I, I gave my life to God. I would never do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even drink now. So mm -hmm. I'm glad. But, you know, I loved my mother in law. I loved mm -hmm. my ex mother in laws. I, I love them. But the husband part, mm -mm. then I took my husband back 26 years. Oh. Back like a couple years ago, I thought he changed and grew up. He didn't, and I said, "Uh, uh." A lot of that was because when I moved back, uh, I got better from the illness and moved back 
Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, got depressed. I kept it to myself. Mm. Depressed again. And uh, so I got depressed because I moved back and didn't live like I lived in California. I had vehicles in California, living in the suburbs and everything. Moved back here to move in with my mama. She was mm. very religious. And I'm, all I heard was praying at your door and all kind of stuff. I'm telling you, everything was about God, 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 because she was really religious. And I'm not, I'm a Christian, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious. And mm-hmm. so, it's about that. And, and then I got my own place and I just wasn't happy. I wasn't happy because I wasn't in the right place. I'm in the right mm-hmm. place right now. Oh, now, yeah. Happy now and asleep at night. I couldn't sleep at night. I just was, I think it's like the memories that. Like all the horrible members, they had all the bad stuff happened to me there, mm-hmm. uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So, yeah. mm. Any questions? Go ahead, Jenny. And um, turning your life over to God when you turned your life over to God after 10 years later and finding out you had HIV, how did it make you feel? Any resentment? Uh, me turning my life over to God. I, my life to God in I found out the, okay. the HIV 2010. Okay. So, at this point, I've born again Christian. But I wanted to share that story too. I had a hysterectomy because I had some fibroid tumors. And okay. I had been feeling funny. I had been going to this club with my aunt, and it was like a club. I was still drinking, but I worked for a gas and electric company, I had a good job, I had a nice car. And I just not happy. Yeah, it was all this stuff from the past. I still wasn't mm-hmm. happy. Rapes, the rapes mm-hmm. and all this abuse. Uh, I was like sick. Uh, and it wasn't the disease. I didn't have anything. Then it was the t- more tumors. Wow. So I, uh, mm. I had to have a, uh, have a hysterectomy. And when I was in my bed, I got out of the hospital. I was in my bed and uh, had a staple. You know, when I had the head like my because people keep saying, well, how they do that? Why did they put you right there? Right. That because I had already been cut there for when I had a tuber. Mm-hmm. They took the tube over out. So they had, I said, I'm going to have to cut back in that. That'll be easier. Go back where it cut again, where you will cut for mm-hmm. that. And that's why. So uh, when I got home, I was laying in my bed. I was crying. I was in pain. I just came and got my youngest daughter because she was like 14 then. And mm-hmm. they came and got her. I'm laying in the bed and I'm crying out to God and saying, please take this pain away, Jesus. Please. And I heard a voice. He whispered in my ear and said, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. And that pain, and this is the honest God truth, that pain was straight away. I got up out of my bed, walked to my computer, and started writing them poems. That's where them poems come from. Mm-hmm. Started writing them poems. And every day I was writing poems. Every single day. Because I was still getting happy. And I still feeling happy. And then mm. I had a grandkid. <laughs> and then that's when I got sad again. <laughs> that's what I got for real. Because I'm like, here we go again. It's psycho. So it was like a cycle. So I'm like, here we go again. So I had to get, it was custody battle all over again. So I had to do this and go through this. I had to protect the kids. I didn't even want to get them because I knew it was going to be a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. My daughter who's here with me now, she said, Mama, do it. She said, because you're a Christian, you're going to regret it because they're going to make them kids send them where it might mm-hmm. split them up. It was just four kids then. My daughter was pregnant with the fifth child. Uh, 
I got them. They came with me and instead of her saying, thank you, mama, I was all can of bees and stuff. I overlooked, I overlooked it because she was my daughter. I still loved and I would pray for her. Now we are, now we are like two peas in a pie. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had talked to her this last time, and I told her like, if I say anything, she's like, I think her guilt. You watch what you say around her. So I said, if I say anything to offend you, let me know because I don't mean it. And I will seriously apologize because I don't want us going through that again. We are Mm -hmm. good. We can never go through that. What I did for her, she should say, "Mama, thank you," because there was two years of freedom in the. I had them four kids. The, uh, uh, the CPS call said they tested my daughter and she tested positive for drugs. She didn't follow do the tests and stuff. They passes that they got to do to get the kids back. Mm-hmm. So she didn't do that. I had permanent custody of the four. Okay. She said oh, she's three months old. Uh, we're gonna put her in foster care, and I said I'll take her. And the lady said. It's your heart, which she Thank said. Thank you and for I, that. Yeah, now she was three yeah. months old, and I took her. I raised her until she, and me and her are like this. I'm like a second mom. I, I send the money and everything. She lived with me, and, you know, after they came back, she came back and lived with me because we like, inseparable, real. She was like my daughter. Mm-hmm. I was, right. for real, I, I, I daughter, awesome. did. I really did, and I raised her. She was 10, and, you know, her mom, I'm glad they were their mother because that's the right place for them to be. That's the right, and not maybe to be a grandmother. That's what right. I want to be. Nice. Uh, and, and I enjoy being a grandmother more. Mother, because <laughs> you can send them back home. <laughs> you know, that's right. Are you baking cookies and then sending them home? Oh, send them the Give whatever they want and everything. They be on punishments. They come over. They off their punishment. I say, yeah, I'm on punishment. What's that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Tell, tell. My twelve year old granddaughter, she run her mouth all the time. She calls, tell me all kind of stuff, and she, but I won't tell. Our secrets are our secrets. I won't tell. Uh-huh. Me and her real close. Not my next. the youngest daughter. Yeah, and that one. Me and her. She was rude to me all the time. California out. Even when I was sick, she coming down, lay next to me in the bed, up on my stomach when she was a baby, up on my stomach. My stomach hurt, and I didn't know why my stomach was hurting when I didn't know what was wrong with me. So I'm not. Uh, I'm gonna get back to that because I want to get to that story at the at little trials okay. and tribulations with the disease and up that. <laughs> it's gonna be a movie one day. It is. <laughs> it's I'm gonna excited. be a movie in a blockbuster. <laughs> and I want to write it. Mm, we're gonna, gonna write you, it. You're gonna write it. That's right. I'm, that's I'm right. Too, yeah. Uh-huh. I want to be the writer of my own story. But, uh, no. Uh, so when we moved to California, we moved to California, and I was so happy. Got a car in a nice house. I started getting sick, and I'm like, now what? what? Because I had got a uh, my throat started hurting real bad a few days after I was with that guy. Okay. So this is 10 years later. So 10 years later, I'm not even thinking about that guy. He's all long gone out of the picture. I'm celibate. So I'm not thinking about no guy. I'm going to church. I'm praising the Lord. I'm going to uh, Elon's church in uh, uh, California, not in okay. Atlanta. It, was, uh-huh. uh, it wasn't his church. The guy was up under him. This guy was a heck of a 
teacher teacher and me and my daughter we would go all the time the kids would go to camp stuff they had and everything so uh, but we stopped going at the well because anyway we were coming back to lower uh i was living my life and so my granddaughter was in gymnastics and was driving and i swerved off the you know, off the road because I mm-hmm. felt dizzy. Um, oh, wow. I felt dizzy. My daughter was like, are you okay? But I was just feeling, it was just hard to explain to them how I was feeling. Then they thought I was exaggerating. And uh, I wasn't. I was like, I couldn't understand. My body felt like tons of bricks were sitting on it. Wow. I, so I didn't even go to the gymnastic meetings or anything. My youngest daughter started taking them because I couldn't, couldn't even get out of the bed. That's why I went to the doctor again. We, when we lived, first we lived in uh, Sacramento. When we lived in Sacramento, I started gaining weight. And okay. I didn't know why I was gaining this weight all of a sudden. I started gaining all this weight. But, and I was tired all the time. But then we moved to Lake County. That's when I had the real bad stomach pain. I couldn't even walk. And, uh, we didn't have a car then. So we had to call a cab and everything. And I couldn't even hardly walk. And they thought it was kidney stones. Mm. Uh, they gave me some Wherever that is, they give you the orange stuff, makes your uh, urine turn orange or whatever. Everything okay. turns orange. Your mm-hmm. underwear and everything. Wow. They gave that to me and then found that it wasn't. So they didn't know what it was, but you know, I ended up moving. Felt like the county was too fast. So I wanted to move somewhere that was like for these kids, there was mm-hmm. more home. And so I moved to Northern California. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I loved it there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. That's when. So really, really feeling bad and went to a doctor and she said, I was telling her my symptoms and she said, your symptoms sound like HIV. What? I said, I don't know. Said, wow. Wow. From, from the stomach pain that was like here before, the symptoms I was having, everything about me, this illness was different from everybody else. Anybody else, it was like so different. My disease acting up to exactly 10 years and I didn't know it could stay in your body for 10 years because I was uneducated about the disease because I didn't think I was going to ever get it mm-hmm. but I mean being mm-hmm. celibate too I ain't, you know, I was like oh wow I, I, uh, uh. so past that because then right. I'm celibate yeah because I, I was living I could have got it then I said I got past that but it wasn't true because it was in my body so mm-hmm. but, Rash that I got at in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, I thought it was eczema. It was a symptom. I started getting these little bumps between my fingers, and it was real bad. It was a symptom, but I didn't know. I'm just Mm. getting this stuff. I would tell people my knees were hurting, so I'm thinking it's a fat that's on my body. Because you did say you gained weight, right? Yeah, I gained all this weight, so I'm thinking that's what it is. it was symptoms. It was not happening back to back. They would happen like one year or something to happen. And have, uh, the stomach pain would last for two weeks. And it go and never came back again. But that's how it was happening. So when she said my symptoms are like HIV, I thought she was crazy. Because of that. And I said, I said to her, I said, I can't have that. I've been celibate for 10 years. She said, that doesn't matter. So I was still confused because I didn't know you could have it. I sent for 10 years. Right. She said, well, can I do a, a, a HIV test? And I said, yeah, it's going to come back negative. And when I went back the next week, she 
he said came in that room he said he came back positive he talked more I couldn't talk she was talking to me all i could hear is blah 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 the mm -hmm. uh, uh, brown lady and it mm -hmm. blah 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 it's all i was hearing i was not paying because i was numb i was numb it's, i felt like everything i've done the writing and stuff because then i wrote movies i wrote the three movies oh, and the play mm -hmm. uh, then so i was like all this stuff went out the window everything done is going to change my life but i was not mad at god i was mad at the guy really mad at that guy i was like to him i felt like he knew because how, how could he not know because i told him he had to have a condom on he he put one on he had his back push me i really didn't want to do it for real i really didn't want to do it but Oh, he was telling me he loved me. He was a manipulator. I was naive. Mm -hmm. He was saying, I love you. I want to marry you and all that. He had been telling me that for almost a year. So that's why I really, you know, I was thinking to myself, I said, well, if you love me, you would have came with a peace marine. I was thinking that. I should have stuck with it. Oh, my first thought, and that's why I tell people, your first thought is God's thought. So right. you got to think, when you get that first thought, that's the first thought you go with. And I never go with that first thought. And I First, I was like, don't do it because I had no desire to do, do it. I didn't want to do it. I was celibate for almost three years then. So I broke my celibacy for that many, celibacy for that many. Uh, I thought I had that and I just didn't take my medicine. I, I was like, I'm just in denial. And my daughter kept saying, You got it. And now let me take another test. I'm going to take a home test. I took a home test. And I took it. She told the look, they had a little two stripe. Mm -hmm. One of them was kind of pale. I said, this is pale. I'm telling you, I was coming up with all kind of excuses. <laughs> but I, I, there was no way I had this disease. I said, no, oh, wow. it's pale. See, I was telling my this is pale. No way. It, it was a fake diagnose. I was, but it wasn't fake. It wasn't fake. And both mm -hmm. the denial. And then my mother kept saying, don't take the pill. You know, that's the devil. And oh, she's religious. She was like, don't take that medicine. And, and listening to my mom, I didn't take the medicine. And listen to Devil in my head on this shoulder, and this angel on this shoulder, and the and the devil said, Take it, go take it, because you're gonna die, you're gonna die anyway. And that's what I was believing, I was the wow. negative aspect of that, like I was gonna die anyway, and my life was over. And uh, I didn't take the pill. And my daughter said, She took me to the doctor one day and said, When I went up, she told me go upstairs and change clothes, and she said, She heard a good. And she said she ran upstairs and I was convulsing and a phone was coming out of my mouth and I had a seizure. When mm. I had that seizure, AIDS, that's when I had AIDS. Been having AIDS, didn't even know it. And it went mm. straight to my brain. It could have killed me right there and it did not. What it did, it triggered dementia. And so I had AIDS, I was diagnosed with AIDS, dementia, and I was severely depressed with uh, two weeks to live. This was in 2014. Wow. And your memories you seem so vivid now, like for yeah. you to be diagnosed with dementia. Back. Yeah. Wow. They didn't think I was gonna come with dementia. They didn't think I was gonna come back. They she my daughter. She'll never write again. She'll never be the same. I came back. I wrote a book. I came back. Wow. I wrote a play called Stigmatized. I came back. I started a ministry and everything. I came back for force, and that's why mm. I speak now. I, I'm not ashamed. To my story because God gave me for a reason. He, I know He kept yes. me for a reason you know, because yes. this is rare to be this. Because I'm detectable, 
uh, you know, they'll say HIV. They said, uh, you know, technology, and you say it. Anyway, the technical part of it, aspect of it, is it still AIDS? Mm -hmm. That's what I had. You know, it was AIDS blank. I had HIV, then it turned to the AIDS. So they said, once you diagnose AIDS, you really still diagnose AIDS. So my daughter didn't know that. I went and went to had a speaking engagement, and I was telling people because I'm thinking because I was still HIV, but the doctor still say I'm HIV. But mm -hmm. I said, well, I was thinking I was still HIV positive, and undetected. But he said, no, technically, you're still AIDS. Said, mm. and so my daughters and they said we know. They said we already knew that. And I said, why you ain't tell me? I thought I was gonna go into depression again. Mm. I said, bingo. That's what I said. I said I'm ready to go speak. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bank on this. I'll write a book. So it says I'll take this disease and turn it around. Make what the devil yes. Hurt me. Make good. Uh, I'm gonna mm -hmm. turn around and do some good. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna share with people, share my story. I'm gonna help people. I'm gonna start a, a program for kids to age out of foster care. I said, Thank you, Minister. Because <laughs> you thought you killed me. So right. thank you. Because I'm alive. I'm alive. Amen. I'm not going anywhere. No, I'm not going anywhere. Amen. Then I start having these dreams, y'all. Start having these dreams. That's what really tripped me out when I was coming out of the sickness. I'm having these dreams. I'm telling my daughter, well, I'm having celebrities. I had a dream about uh, Trey Kraut, a dream about Maya Angelo, uh, Perry. Mm -hmm. Now, Perry was training me, training me to produce and direct. I was writing for him. That's why I said my dream going to come true. Mm, that's good. <laughs> yes. Speak it into yeah. existence. That's yeah, amazing. My dream going to come true. Yeah. That's amazing. Did now, you said you were on your way to gymnastics when you were going through all the symptoms. After mm -hmm. you found out, like, you know, this is real. This is real. Did your did your family support you, your family and friends? Did oh, they support yeah. you or did they yeah. treat you any differently in regards to mm -hmm. that? How was how was your relationship with everybody when you were going through, you know, this depression or the resentment of why me or why this guy did this to me? What were you going well, through? Well, I, my daughters don't tell anybody because this is when I'm worried about stigma and all that. I said, don't mm -hmm. tell anybody because when I when I found out, go to my the daughter who's staying here. She was a teacher then. Uh, I drove to the school, picked her up, and I said, I got something to tell you. And I drove to a park, and, and that's when I told them, broke down crying, and we both cried and hugged each other. And I said, I got to go home and tell my other two daughters, my youngest daughter, my oldest daughter. I went and told them. We all cried and stuff. And we were so uneducated about the disease. But, you know, they didn't tell anybody then. They didn't tell anybody then when I was dying. That's when they told us we're in California. So I wasn't mad because we're in California. If I die, my family in uh, Louisville to know, like, my mom, mm -hmm. uh, my brothers, uh, you know. Nobody else needs to know, but needs, they need to know. Just the immediate, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. Just the immediate family. Uh, and then I was ready to tell everybody else. But, uh, my daughters, they're such a blessing, though, because I had to change. You know, the symptoms of AIDS, I had everyone. I had fever. Mm -hmm. uh, you look it up, every symptom, 
headed to have fever or that every day, six o'clock. Mm. My temperature would be like 109, 110. Wow. I heard my daughter, and we lived in room house. And I heard my daughter heavy walk through the hallway. When she'll come with a cold, cold, ice, cold rag, she'll come and check my temperature. She'll see I'm hot. And every day at the same time, uh, to go turn that air on, I hated that because I've been there freezing. We could turn the mm-hmm. air on so my temperature would go down. It was also the A's. I had diarrhea. I, that's when I lost all that weight. I, I got I weighed 98 pounds. Mm-hmm. I was in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't walk. I left that point. I couldn't walk. I couldn't walk. I was in a wheelchair. They had to change me. They changed diarrhea. Uh, changed. My depends. Wow. So I couldn't control my wow. urine and I couldn't control my bowels. They, they shower me, they wash my hair, they comb my hair, put my shoes on, I couldn't tie shoes, I couldn't put on a bra, I couldn't do none of that. I couldn't take care of them kids, care of those kids. That's why they had to go back to their mom. So I couldn't take wow. care of them. You know, I just I was bedridden. Bedridden. Wow. Not for long. God is good. Yes, that and look good. at you now. You yeah. look yeah. amazing. You look amazing. You. <laughs> uh-huh. It was a time. It was a time where I didn't care how I look. I said, mm. I don't care how I look. I got better. I didn't care how I look because I was still depressed. I was still mm-hmm. depressed. I was still. I went to my daughter, came in the room one day, my oldest daughter. She said, Mom, one day she came, didn't know I was dying. But, you know, I knew I couldn't walk. I knew I was right. getting this look ugly wheelchair and I didn't like the wheelchair and I knew people was looking at me all the time because I weighed 98 pounds and my hair fell out, hair fell out everywhere. Mm. Uh, disease mimics a whole lot of other stuff. A disease like cancer and all that. Mm-hmm. It mimics a whole lot mimic a whole lot of stuff. But it's, it's AIDS is powerful. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. That's why I, now that I talk, I tell people you get to make sure you take your medicine. So I take my medicine every single day. Mm-hmm. Every single day. And I'm undetected, and that's what makes you come detect. But see, I didn't know people, could, you know, they got undetected, but you can't pass it and all that. I didn't know that. I learned as I was going, mm-hmm. as I was going. And I could educate people on stuff. But uh, my daughters, they were very, very supportive. And then when I came to Louisville, I told my first cousins, and I told my entire family, and my uncles, and I was supportive. It's my aunt, and she's been passed now. My aunt Jeannie, I love her so life. She <laughs> passed, but she was the first aunt I told in my long time girlfriend. They've been together for some years, and they never get married, but she passed too. She, mm. I told her. She was like, all them. I told her as soon as I got back. And then my uncle gave us a little party when we got back. So I told all the family members then. And so everybody knew. Then I had an event. I got churches, I started speaking. Oh. Yeah, so I started speaking and I started a ministry and uh, Don't Die Stay Alive Ministries and HIV/AIDS ministry. And I wrote a play called Stigmatized. And so my family, they supported me. They all came and, you know, they, so they know Amazing. what I got. They That's see awesome. that I'm not, yeah, I'm not an overcome. They say, strong, got to be through all this stuff. Knock <laughs> uh, it out. And I'm amazed for real, mm-hmm. but I know it's nobody but God. I couldn't right. do that by myself. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't do that mm-hmm. by myself. Doctors didn't even know. I had a tell story about when when I found out. When I found out I had AIDS, I had that dementia, so I didn't understand what they was telling me. When I started getting better, walking 
the doctor's office. I wasn't wheeled in the doctor's office. I walked in the doctor's office. I put away. He had his back when he was at this little table thing. And his name was Dr. Pizzo. And I said, I'm Dr. Pizzo, because I was happy to see him then. Because first I was, <laughs> when I had dementia, I, I was cussing him out and everything. And I didn't have to cuss. <laughs> they said, at dementia, I was mean. <laughs> My daughter said, when well, you become an old lady, I ain't taking care of you because you have a shoulder that you going to be. <laughs> they said I was mean and I was mean to the doctor, but he turned Aww. around and he looked because he, he was doing looking at my, my labs or something. And he said, looking, he said, you undetectable. And I just heard. And then he turned around and looked. He said, hold on for a minute. He went back and got the nurse. At the casework, and some of the other workers, and everybody he could, and here they come. I'm on this platform, and they hugging me because he said, Yeah, they said they never had a patient to be AIDS. But the nurse said, My my brother had AIDS, and he died. Mm. You see me, I look good now. I, I told you, told him. Yeah, told the doctor sure a couple of weeks before that I was using the bathroom by myself. I was going to that bathroom and I got tired of wearing them little nasty pins and having pins. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> now, now I'm starting to feel it. See, I couldn't feel it when I had dementia. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know. I could be laying in poop and didn't even know it. And so now I'm starting to feel it. That's what he said, my brain. Because they said when the disease hit my brain, it shrunk. He said it on the left side. That's why, that's why they thought that it was never going to come back. But it grew back. So it grew back. So, you know, God touched me, y'all. He mm, did. I hate to show That's awesome. And I can see the glow. I can see the glow inside of you now. Thank you. You know, I have a spiritual. He's my friend. He's very spiritual. He told me the other day, he said, you know, uh, in 2021 uh, is your year. And mm. I said, uh, why? He said, because you got a glow. So even in your voice. Confirmation. Oh, Look at that. Confirmation. Everything he's been telling me, I've been through my daughter, he said, said you're going to get your mother. See, he, he said, when you go to court, you're going to get your mother. You're going to sell that house because I'm supposed to sell my mom's house. Mm -hmm. said, but wait until you get your mom because they're going to abuse it. If you sell that house because that's what they want. What they aiming for. They say they're going to, because they're not, they're not treating her well. Right. Because that's what my mother had a stroke. Mm. I got to share this story. I, you keep when you think it's like to get better, and I moved to Atlanta. I was like, "Ooh, peace for, for once again, peace." I moved away from this horror, Louisville, Kentucky. Sitting on my couch, and I said, uh, "Something's wrong with my mother." Because my mother ain't my buddy. Not only my mother, but she was my friend. We did everything together. Mm -hmm. So taking her out to once a month. Still going to her church, join the church. I will go sometimes. Uh, uh, I will go to the women's ministry, join the mm -hmm. women's ministry. Mm -hmm. I know all her past. I know a pastor. I know brothers don't know none of any of them. I know her prayer partners and everything. They know me. Went to a place that one of the lady's daughters had. I went to dinners they had. I went to their lunches. They know me very well. So uh, I'm sitting home. I'm like something to happen. Something's wrong with my mom. So I called my mom. She sounded different. So uh, she had found out. Come out, daughter, and I was real nervous. And I said, for my daughter to call. And I 
say a call somebody and tell them to go check on mom. And I got my three brothers there. They ain't worrying about it. They never checked. You know? So my youngest daughter went and checked on and she had a stroke. She had after that. She keeps having these mini strokes. And my brother went and got her out of the hospital. That's what that's what's going on now. That's what happened. They had to go through this stuff and get all this paperwork. The other showing that I'm paying her bills. My brother called uh protective service and said that uh to stole her money and I'm spending her money. It's a lie. Piece of hell. I would never do that. I'm not that type of person. My brother's brother and his wife wants my mother's house. This is a soap opera, for real. <laughs> it's a soap opera. But I'm here fighting again. Mm-hmm. And, and I, uh, you can't tell, but it was wearing me down. It was wearing me down. Like, I just didn't feel like doing nothing. I was crying every day. I miss my mother. She's not letting me talk to my mother or nothing. So uh, yesterday, I don't know something was going on with my cousin he was trying to get in contact. Her aunt, mm-hmm. he told her he had company, but he's lying. He's not letting nobody see her. She had company, and uh, because my she had company, so my cousin couldn't go see her. You know, nobody. He's not letting her brothers come and see her. He's coming up with excuses about everything. So now I got to go to court the nineteenth, a uh, fight for my mother. I said, here I am going to court again, and, and it, it is taking a whole lot for me, but I'm strong. I'm gonna win this battle too. That's my friend said, and this my daughter told me. Daughter said, Mama. I had a dream because she had these spiritual dreams. She said, I had a dream. Uh, 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 she called my mother Hanti. I call her mom. Her name is Hanti. She said, Hanti uh, was in your bed next to you. I said, mm. oh, that's where she going to sleep at until we get a house. I said, didn't I sleep with her when we moved back to uh, California? She left it. Yeah. But it was confirmation. Cause she has spiritual dreams. I'm get my mother. Mm-hmm. Then my spiritual friend said, "You gonna get your mother?" He said, "You gonna sell that house?" He said, "You gonna get a bigger house?" Because I want to get a room for my mother. My mother's almost eighty years old. Ain't no way she'd be going through this. Mm-hmm. No way. I was agreed. Mm-hmm. And then my youngest brother, he's on crack. He stole my car. He stole his mom's car. My mother's uh, and I was messed up. If somebody was coming in at her house. And brother who has her, don't tell people she's crazy. Mm-hmm. Why do you call your mother crazy to other people? Why would you do that? Now you talking about now y'all acting like y'all love her so much. All three of them. You never called, see how she was doing. You never no. took her no place. I'm the only one who was with her all the time. All the time. We became real close. I'm going to fight for my mother. It's been, it was taking a toll on me. Yesterday, in a couple few days, I was like, damn. I was, damn. I was crying and I miss my mother. I mm-hmm. truly, truly miss her. Yeah. And but I'm gonna get my mother. Mm-hmm. Well, we declare See? justice in court, and yes. that we pray uh-huh. that she'll be able to get back to you, um, yes. with your strength to be able to take care of her as well. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have a granddaughter who was here. She worked at the hospital where my mother was at. She worked at Frazier, uh Rehabilitation where my mother was at. Stroke victim patient so she knows how to take her on my other daughter she was my caregiver so don't take her mm. we'll take her awesome. yeah that's amazing uh where does your inspiration come from you know with all your trials and tribulations of what you went through where do you get your inspiration from my faith in god my faith in god is very strong very strong he tell me to jump i say hi hi 
He told me go to California. He the one told me go to California. I didn't know a soul in California. He know a soul. I had never been to California. I went and I loved it. But I miss California though. But it's too far. <laughs> it's too far from uh Oh, it's too far from church. I like too far from there's no movie uh production. There's nothing there. Not in where I was. Like if you move to LA, but I don't wanna go to Hollywood. I don't want to move to Hollywood, no. It's you know that stuff is kind of demonic. You see, even in Atlanta, it's demonic, and I have to deal with a whole lot of demons, and I don't want to deal with the demons in Hollywood. So I would rather deal with them here. And uh, but I have nothing in common with. You know, the disease here is high, so once the coronavirus go, I can get some speaking engagements here, and I can start a ministry here, and I have a vision to start a program for kids who age out of foster uh, care. So, I'm going to do that. I'm going Because I want to help those kids, because you know they put them out once they turn 18, they put them out in the streets. They don't care. They ain't getting their money anymore. They'll put them out. So, that's, that's my uh, dream to do that, and I want to have it all over the country. So, That's about it. That's awesome. So, can you speak on your accomplishments? Can you share uh, what you've done so far? Uh, yes. Uh, ask me all the time how many gifts uh, do you have? But so many, I don't count. But uh, like God just all this stuff in me. I am very grateful. When I was in California, I started doing a lot. So. Of course, the poems. I'm a poet, I'm a playwright, write plays. I wrote a play called Stigmatized. Uh, that, that play called myself being a producer. I didn't know what I was doing. And I did that in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, write movies. Uh, I wrote a movie that won a, it didn't win, it was a semi finalist in an LA uh, screenwriting contest. Uh, write books, I write children's books. I have a series that I'm writing called Castle Hill Gang, and it's about Castle Hill Gang meet Billy the Bully. And at the back of the book, it has activities for the kids. Uh, invented a set of bows, B O W L S. So um, once I get money for that, I want to have that manufactured. Which I know I used to do my own magazine. I was the editor and everything else. My daughter was the photographer. Uh, all of this on my. Uh, Website, I see it there. Here on alala.com has everything, it has the trailers of the three movies that I wrote. And the movies that I wrote, not only they're on DVD, you can order them, but they're on. I just found out they're on Amazon Prime, but they're also on 2B TV, UBI TV, it's, and it's free on that. So, I think, uh, the other day. Sometimes I go back and I look at my movies because I'm, I'm like amazed that I wrote those. Like, even the guy that I wrote them for, he said, he told me, he said, God gave you gifts. He said, don't let nobody prostitute your gifts. So many people have tried. Mm. For real. Let me wipe right from them for free and all that so they can make money off my work. Nope. No, no, no. And I'm glad he told me that. Writing is kind of hard. Like you want to get out there, and you want to be noticed. You want your work to be public. So you come with the next first scammer to come. Don't you know that scammer? When he planted that seed, I, you know, I keep my eyes and everything open because I'm 
I'm not gonna let nobody take advantage of me. Right. And then I make sure everything is copyrighted. And I make sure everything is protected. And I don't give out my work but to anybody. As they professionals. So I think that's pretty much, and I'm a motivational speaker. So. <laughs> I did my own website. Congratulations on that. Yeah, I did my own website. I don't want anybody to come ask me to do theirs. <laughs> and I was, I was publishing books. I want to back up. I know how to publish books, but I want to back ask me that either. I want to concentrate on writing movies right now. Okay. I have done some books. I did my daughter's, did a book for my granddaughter for her birthday. I did uh, my niece. Uh, doing a, in the process of doing a book, publishing a book for uh, one of my mother's prayer partners. You all, she's an older lady. Why does she write everything in curse? <laughs> <laughs> she don't understand that that is confusing. I can see curse. I mean, I told her, I said, you don't have, you don't know how to type. She said, I don't have a computer. I said, oh, Lord. Her and my mother, they still back in the days. I said, so now I'm going to do it for a dog. Her book, her book cover is beautiful and she loves it. But when, when this stuff came up, it's going me down because it's messing with my psyche. Uh, when my brother's not sending me through, it's all three of them. She's those money. That's what they're going around telling people saying in my name. Better be, better hope I'm praying out on soon. That's awesome. You freeze, did you? Jenny Lee, I can't hear you. Oh, yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can yes. hear you. Uh, I, was, I was asking her, would she like to share anything else or add anything or anything that she wants to express? Yes, I, I would like to tell the audience, uh, if like right now I'm celibate again, it's the best way to be, but it may be hard for some people, because I was celibate for a total of 17 years, and then when I told you I went through a depression, I started dating again, because I, I got to tell this real quick, I started dating again, and I was not happy, and we start having a spiritual thing, like, Every day, getting up, listening to spiritual music, looking at G.E. Patterson because I love him on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Recordings of him. Uh, the song came on uh, uh, Don Lawrence and Leandra Johnson, uh, "Deliver Me." Mm, song I love on that song. Said, yes, and when she said, "All I do, all I seem to do is hurt me." I hurt myself. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I fell to my knees, and it's the. I fell to my knees and repented and told God I'm sorry. I, was, I don't want to date the, the same type of people that I used to date. That's mm -hmm. what I was doing all over again. Mentally abusive people, alcohol, drunk. I don't want to do that again. And I, I told him I was sorry. I came celibate again. I left them alone. I cut them out. God told me, he said, what you was doing was doing the same thing that you was doing before you gave your life to me. Mm. That's what I was doing, and I was going down that same road. And I don't want to go down that same road. I do not. Ain't no man worth it. No. Right. Yeah. So, and, and again, heard God's voice again, just like I did the night when He spoke uh, to me and said, "Everything's gonna be. You're gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be all right." Heard it again, and I don't play when it comes 
I hear that and I hear God's voice. This is real. And then I know he's not going to tell me, lead me the wrong direction. And I have not been with mm. nobody. And it's been almost uh, going on a year. I don't talk to them guys. They try me. Try they don't hunt me down on Facebook. I miss you. Whatever. You cuss mm-hmm. me out. You ain't got drunk. You alcoholic. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. What are you talking about? You miss me. You should have thought about that. It, we're not equally yoked. That's what I want right. to be with somebody who we're equally yoked and, uh, you know, we got some, a lot in common and we didn't have anything. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. <laughs> I'm not even around anymore. I don't do all that stuff. I don't club hop and I don't do all that. So I'm not going to That's do it awesome. either. So I'm happy with, you know, the way I live. So the purity. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's amazing. That's amazing. Let's check and see if we have any comments from anybody. I think Jenny lost service. We've been having some difficulties with the internet. (laughs) But she's fine. She's coming back on. All right. We don't have any questions from anyone. Perfect. So we do ask all of our guest speakers. First, thank you so much for coming out and sharing your story. Um, I definitely love the transition in regards to how you, you know, can be accountable that you were depressed and that you you weren't yourself. Mm-hmm. And the moment you started writing, you started finding peace. And, you know, the moment you started realizing to change your pain into a purpose mm-hmm. is when you started blossoming and God was able to, mm-hmm. to use you. And we thank you for your obedience, for letting him you know, prosper in your life and use you to be able to share your story and help others. So we love that from you. So thank you so much for coming on. Uh, One question we do like to ask our uh, guest speakers is what makes you uncommon? And like I said, uh, uh, in that disease in the behind, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, something that's hard, is rare, it's hard for people to do. And I was able to do it, but it was God. I know God kept me here again. I'm going to say it again. For a reason. Mm. I'm going to do whatever he wants me to do. Uh, save his people. Many people as I want. I mean, as he wants, I'm going to do it. Because there's a lot of people get depressed from the disease. I'm, also, I want to say before I leave, I went to therapy. A lot of black people like to go to therapy. I went to therapy. My daughter came and asked me. She thought I was going to say no. I said yes because I knew I needed it. Mm. I wanted a Christian therapist, and he was a Christian therapist. And he ended up getting his own practice because he worked for the government. He ended up getting his own practice. We got God and pray and everything. I loved him. I did. Awesome. I did it. It helped. It helped. Then I told you I had that spiritual awakening. It helped a lot. It helped a lot because I changed. I really did. And I'm just grateful for God. And I'm just grateful for just him entrusting me with his gifts and everything. Mm, that's, that's so that's, powerful. Yeah, that's what makes me uncommon. That you know, I went through this disease, and look at me now. Look at you now, yes, now. Prospering. Yes. <laughs> yep. Praise God. Thank you, Tuana, for your story. It, it's amazing. Um, I love how you just kept going and how you fought through, and then just you allow God to guide you. And everything and thank you so much for coming on um i'm happy to have met you and thank you to our viewers for joining in and listening to tawana's testimony um 
I also want to speak on our merchandise and our new apparel. Check out um, www.uncommonwomen.net. Definitely have to check out our new merchandise. Um, we have some nice hoodies there, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, you can follow us and subscribe on YouTube, on Uncommon Women Podcast, and also to be a guest speaker. Um, visit our, uh, you can also visit our website. And um, this Thursday, we are recording again, obviously, you know, we gotta love us. <laughs> and our next episode is um, on our, it's a guest speaker, she's a mindset coach, and she is going to be speaking on educating on ways to renew our minds and um, also giving us where we can turn an I can't into I can. Yes. Thank you. And stay on common. <laughs> Bye. Bye.